You're listening to the Morning Brew with Stu Podcast, and here's your host, Stuart Brooking. And here we go. Welcome to the Morning Brew with Stu. As always, I'm your host, Stuart Brooking, and we're continuing the series where we talk to play-by-play broadcasters, sports broadcasters, I guess in period, I should say, from all across the country at all levels, and a special guest today is Luke Martin, the play-by-play voice of the Indiana State Sycamores. Luke, first of all, welcome and thank you for coming on. Thanks, Stuart. No problem at all, my friend. Good to be with you and uh, appreciate the invitation. Of course. I want to start off with this. I ask everybody this. Uh, I had mine when I grew up that, you know, I looked up to when I got into the play-by-play business. It was, I want to be these guys when I grow up. Who were some of the play-by-play guys that you you looked up to as a kid that when they were on the radio or the TV, you rain, you turn the radio on or the TV on, you'd listen to their game, whether you were a fan or not, because you liked what they did. Yeah, absolutely, Stuart. I mean, I think, as you know, there's got to be a reason you get into this. And, and typically it's when you're young, there's those voices you listen to that said, man, not only was that exciting, thrilling, like it'd be great to do that. Uh, so for me, Uh, My family, they were big Purdue fans growing up. So a lot of the voices that I was surrounded by were voice of the Boilermakers, which one for football was Joe McConnell. But I really got to know personally Larry Clisby, who was the longtime voice of Purdue basketball. And those two were just, I I would say, big pillars of me early just getting hooked on it, Uh, hearing their energy, their enthusiasm uh, about the sports they were calling were just gigantic. Uh, so early on for me in my childhood, I was really listening to those two. And then just as you, you know, went along, uh, Bob Lamy, who was a longtime voice of the Indianapolis Colts, I interned for the Colts one summer. I got to know Bob, uh, and I really enjoyed just being around him and just kind of seeing his uh, preparation for a game and, and also how much he put into it. Um, and, of course, he was really, you think of Peyton Manning and the Colts era, you think of Bob Lamy. And still with Marlon Jackson getting the interception to go to the Super Bowl, still one of the all-time just, you know, calls that give you chills still to this day. When I bring it up, it gives me a little bit of chills. So uh, there are very there are many names. As you know, you can pick, pick everything from almost anybody to learn from. Uh, but I would say for sure Larry Clisby was my number one broadcasting idol growing up uh, and then sprinkling in a lot of local voices, which – in the state of Indiana, uh, we've been very, very spoiled that those who have held those positions at multiple schools and multiple teams are really good at what they do. So we, we've had some great examples to follow growing up in this state. Yeah, we sure have. Bob Lamy was mine up too. I always did this, listen to Bob, you know, being a Colts fan, all these types of things. I've I've got to talk. I, I never got to meet him, never got to talk to him, but I have Matt Taylor, who's since replaced him. I've I've had him on the pod and those types of things, but I always describe Bob as, which I think, and, and maybe you differ on this, but I think as like when you're the voice of a team, as opposed to being like an ESPN voice or a, a Fox sports voice. It, listen, if I'm tuning in to listen to the Colts on the radio, I want somebody who is doing it from the Colts point of view. And I think a lot of times what Bob embodied, which is a, a what, which is a lot of what I liked about him was, as a fan, if if your team's doing great, then he's got you in cloud nine. And if your team's not going so 
not doing so well and you're in that car, it makes you kind of want to take a right off the bridge. You know, that's that's kind of how I described it. But because as a fan, that's how you feel. As a fan, you you have those ebbs and flows throughout the game and those types of things. But that's what I liked about Bob. But you know, what's your take on? I guess I don't want to say like Homerish because I don't I don't want to go that far because it's got kind of a negative term you know connotation when it comes with it. But what's your take? I guess on on the guys who on being a, a voice of a team versus maybe doing, you know, ESPN radio or ESPN TV or, or Fox sports TV or s- stuff like that. Oh, what I can tell you, Stuart, you know, just personally for me, I do the Valley on ESPN here at Indiana state. So I'll do radio for us. I'll be on radio in a lot of different ways, but I'll also represent not just Indiana state, but the Valley on the Valley on ESPN. And I would say I probably annoyed, uh, some of our fans of uh, when I get on the Valley on ESPN, I'm not just straight ISU all the time. I feel like you got to know what your audience is, the majority of your audience. And even though there still may be the majority of ISU fans that watch a home ISU Valley on ESPN game. But when you get into the basketball season, especially the Valley has a great reputation. I mean, there are a lot of people that are not just Valley fans that are tuning into your broadcast. So you owe it to your viewer, whoever's watching, to not just know stories about Indiana State, not just to know stories about the opponent, whoever you're playing, whether that's Illinois State, whether that's Bradley, whomever, but you need to be sharp on what's going on throughout the league uh, because you are representing the league that, that night. Uh, and whether you think that's – that's how, that's how I view it. Now there may be there are others that are like no, it's it's a it's a school university produced game that should be your main focus. I'm not necessarily that way. Now getting to your point of whatever homerism, whatever you want to call it, my biggest thing is you do want to take the fans on that journey. You just want to make sure that you are putting them in a place where they actually are. Um, if the team is, you know, I kind of learned it from Mike Reese too. If the team is good, you want them to know that they're good. Um, but you also don't want to oversell them and let the fans think the team is maybe a little bit better than what it actually is, and then all of a sudden it's a major letdown. Um, or every call in a game is a bad call. Uh, those are things where, yes, you want to know. I've been told a lot, me and Luke, when I turn on an ISU radio game, I know how Indiana State is doing just by the sound of your voice. Um, to me, that's okay. Um, you want people to know whether your team is high or low. Uh, but also you just you want to paint them a picture of where they feel they're at the game, especially if it's on radio, that they can see what's happening. And, it's, and it is the perception of what's actually happening. Um, I don't think you want people to go, man, I heard Luke described this one way. And then you go and you see it on another outlet and it was completely different than what was described. Um, now, there's going to be nights where maybe you aren't as sharp or maybe you don't do things or describe it as what you want it to. Trust me, uh, you know, when you're doing radio, you get you, you get really invested in the teams. Uh, I do. I get invested in the coaches and, and players. And uh, there are times where you describe things maybe the way you don't want to, and a little bit of a fan reaction does come out. But I say more times than not, you just cannot be fanatical. You know, you, you have to be there through the highs and lows, and you have to describe to your best ability um, to the fans. And so they know what's going on through the extreme highs and the extreme lows. And you have to be ready for that. And I feel like the best way to be ready for that 
is you can't get too high. You can't get too low. You have to be there for the moment and match the moment. If that makes sense. Bob had his style um, and his style worked for him. Uh, Matt Taylor has his style and it works for Matt. Um, You just have to find your style. Uh, And once you find it and it takes a while, but once you find it and you kind of know your voice and you trust the way you are, then go for it. You're always going to have fans like me. I wish, why don't you ask Coach Shirts about how bad the officials were? Well, I don't want him to get suspended. <laughs> um, you know, there, there are ways to approach those questions without just flat out asking. So um, so there, there are always going to be ways where fans maybe want you to be more fanatical. But if you're somewhere in the middle, if you got people that are like, man, I think you do a great job, or you got people that are like, man, you know, half the people say you do a great job and half the people are like, you want to be more fanatical. You're probably in the right spot. Um, but I do guard against that because you just you can't let emotions get the best of you because you may miss something that you need to be on top for. Um, that, that's especially in radio, as you know, Stuart. I mean, you got to be on your toes because you don't have a replay angle. You don't have a TV monitor to really balance you out. Um, your voice is what's guiding those fans. So that's why whatever you spend your energy on, it, be, it better be the right thing to spend the energy on because there are people that are, that you are their eyes, you are their ears uh, for that game. Yeah, one 100%. Uh, I know that you do, I like, I, I don't know for football necessarily. I listen to you more for basketball because I, you know, for basketball, for football, I have a broadcast partner. For basketball, I don't. And I know you do some some solo games on the radio and those types of things. I find that maybe the most challenging, but I look forward to it, if that makes sense, when I'm doing the basketball games by myself. Because it, it tests you in a way to where, one, you have to be sharper. You have to kind of know your stuff because you don't have the analyst there to kind of break it down and those types of things. But at the same time, I, I – it's a challenge to where at times too, where it's like, man, I wish I had that. I wish I had that person in the booth right there to bounce stuff off of, you know, what's maybe been the toughest challenge for you when you do solo stuff versus maybe when you have a partner. Well, the biggest thing is when you do stuff solo is if there's some sort of rules explanation that needs to be had, you got to be on your toes again. Um, what, what I always try to do Stuart is don't, you know, you have to be honest with your listener, viewer, whatever it is. If you don't know it, then don't act like you know it. Um, to me, what I always try to do, if there is a situation where a coach is arguing a call and I may not know necessarily the rule to a T, I just describe, because it's radio, I describe the coach's reaction. I describe what's going on in the gym. So I may not be able to interpret whether it's totally a bad call or not, but I at least paint the picture of what's going on in that moment. Um, I feel like that can be really a good thing instead of saying, oh, this is a bad call. This is why. Well, you know, okay, um, maybe you're right. uh, But describe the moment, you know, what's going on? Where are the officials? What are the coaches doing? What are fans doing? Um, Again, that kind of gets back to to your job as as the play-by-play guy is to describe the picture of what's going on. For me, that's really the biggest challenge of when you don't have an analyst. And I've been very lucky. Matt Wren is terrific. Brian Geesing has been outstanding. Brian Jennings, who does a lot of play-by-play, um, has had a lot of coaching experience during his time. And all three of them that I've worked with, and 
whether it was Trent Miles for football, whomever. I've been I've worked with really, really good analysts. And what I've just tried to do is set them up for great success. And really when those moments happen, there may be times where I interject what I think may happen just out of the emotion of the moment. But really that's get out of the way and you let them have that moment because that, that's why they're there. Um, it's just, you know, those games can be, you know, you, you do them solo for a long time. Um, it, it, you're describing everything for a long time. So I would say like, I know I, I go back. I mean, I wish I had an analyst because just that break for, you know, a five, 10 second period, um, especially in games where you got any in the state of Belmont, where you're scoring about 200 points combined between the two teams. And it's so fast paced. It's great. And it's fun to describe, but there would be a moment where you're like, man, I would like to take a little bit of a breather here. Um, but, but that's where <laughs> I get a drink I, of water or something. Yeah. Right? I get a drink of water. Those teams don't really allow you to do that, but um Solo is just it. Te- it makes you sharper, as you said. You do. I, I take pride in you know knowing what rule is what. I think that's really the biggest thing of what it does is it's not you necessarily saying okay, this is this is a bad call or a good call. It's okay, what is the call and why is that call made? Um, you don't have anybody to really rely on that. Um, but I also think the biggest thing is if you don't know it, don't fake that you. Um, to just be like, I'm not familiar with the rule, but this this is what the call is, and this is what the official believes he saw. Um, that's kind of where I I go uh, for that, Stuart. Yeah, we. My next question, we're probably going to get in a little bit of the uh, weeds, I guess, for broadcasters. Some of the the general fans may not kind of understand what we're talking about. But when you get to when you do your boards for games, are mm-hmm. are yours like handwritten, or do you type yours out, or do you use a system? I know different people use different types of things. Some send them off and come in. I like to, I use Microsoft Word for mine, both basketball and football. But I like to, you know, maybe not write them in, but type them in so I can help memorize. Maybe I weight you know class whatever whatever it is those types of things are you a handwritten guy or do you have a system how do you do your boards when when it comes time to to prep for a game yeah i i do mine uh through adobe InDesign. i use InDesign to to really come up just with my little format and what i do but to answer your question it's both Um, there are things that i type in and then once i print my boards I always go through and I either not just highlight, but I'll go in and I'll either write to reinstate what I really want to get a point across or just other notes that you can't fit in in a certain number of font. Um, A lot of my friends uh, that are older in the business, you know, they kind of look at my boards and they go, man, by the time you're my age, you won't be able to read that. I was like, well, I'm going to take advantage of it now (laughs) with my (laughs) eyesight. But I wish I had one of my boards with me here in my office, but I I keep most of my boards back at home. But I I really do. I try to – I do like printing them off. Uh, I typically put them – print them off on a tabloid-sized paper, which is bigger than, obviously, a letter size and a legal size. So they're they're big boards. Um, I just want to try to get as much information on that board as much as I can. Uh, and then once the board is printed off, you know, for football, I try to make sure I have my board printed off by probably Thursday of a game week. So that way it gives me Friday and then lean in the game on Saturday to just go back through, highlight, write, go more in depth on whatever I think I need. Just gives me time to be, oh, what if I need this? So I can write this here. 
Um, so if a board is just printed off and everything is printed off and just highlight, uh, that always doesn't necessarily help me remember. I just go back through and I just, why is this game important? Why is this player important? You know, just reinstate those things as you put them in on your board so they can really spark something when you get into it. Because once you really get into the game, you shouldn't be spending a whole lot of time on your board. Um, your board is more there as a safety net. Uh, if you're looking down a lot, you're probably not prepared. So um, I do want a lot on my board, but I also want a lot on my board to prepare me to where I don't have to look down for it at all times. Again, that's more as the safety net feature. But I do like to handwrite, though, a lot of stuff. Um, and I, I think that's important, too. Uh, if you're just all want to do it online, I know some – uh, even just do them just straight on their laptop. You know, most don't even even print them off anymore. I'm still big on having something in front yeah. of me uh, to have, um, but I do think it's really important to print it off, write other notes on it. It just helps reinstate a lot of things for me as I kind of go go through the week. Yeah, same. I I do. I I print mine out on like a letter size, but more like horizontal. Or actually a little bit bigger than leather, and then I tape them to um, uh, some Manila folders. I got that from our buddy Jevin Redman over at University yeah. of Evansville. Got that from got that from him. But uh, I don't take a you, whole lot from Jevin. I promise. Don't take too much from Jevin now. So don't be don't be giving <laughs> him too too much credit here. So. <laughs> All right, I I want to ask you this because this is something I, you know I came across or I've ran across you know in in the short time I've been doing play-by-play, which was, you know, for instance, for this year for football, the high school I called games for was pretty good and, and made a good run and made the playoffs in Illinois, all those types of things. And, and, you know, it was a su- successful season and then basketball wasn't so much. And, you know, basketball wasn't, wasn't a great year. And I always found, again, just like I do with solo those to kind of be the toughest games to call, but the ones that make you, I think, a better broadcaster or when things not going so well, but you need to keep the the attention and I guess the ears to the to the radio. What when when things maybe don't go the way that you expect them to go or or the game's not going the way you expect them to go, what are some tricks maybe you use or or what are some things you use to, you know, try to keep the the listeners, you know, from turning that dial because we all know that's what's important. Well, I'll tell this story, and I don't know if it's really a trick, but it just more reinstates that people are always listening. Uh, my first year at Indiana State uh, was 2017, and that fall, when I was named the football voice, was the first year of head coach Kurt Mallory here. And Coach Mallory and I have become really, really close. I mean, he's one of my closest friends, not just in terms of a coach or somebody I work with. Uh, but that first year, we went 0-11. Um, two of the first three games of the year – Lost on a last-second second play. Uh, Eastern Illinois scored a last-second touchdown to, to beat us in the opener. Uh, went on the road to Tennessee and got handled pretty good in a Power 5 by game. Uh, and then the following week, we played Liberty, and we had a game-winning field goal lined up to kick the win in. It was blocked as time expired. So, like, a lot of heartbreak. But then the rest of the year, those games were just blowouts. Uh, they, were, they were not close. Um, and I remember it was at South Dakota in the Dakota Dome I still have nightmares of that facility. Indiana State has just never played well at the Dakota Dome. Even teams that were better, just they go in there and just absolutely get their butts kicked. I mean, it just doesn't matter. Uh, South Dakota has Indiana State's number in the Dakota Dome. 
Uh, but it was like maybe three minutes to go in the game. And I make some sort of comment. I either screwed up on a play, but I said, you know, nobody's really listening right now anyways. That, that was the comment I made. And typically for post game, I would go down and I would grab Coach Mallory just on my phone. And as I go, this is again, three minutes left in the game. I go down, team breaks the huddle. I'm waiting for Coach Mallory to come out. Our offensive coordinator, Jeff Eklinski, came up to me and said, hey, just so you know, my wife is still listening. And it just it just reinstated to me of, you know, not necessarily of who is listening, but someone's always listening to you. Even in games where you think there is absolutely no one there. I, I actually, our good friend Jevin Redmond, you know, I told Jevin this. He, they had a great year in baseball last year. And uh, unfortunately, just the way the league broke, whoever was going to win that conference tournament was going to go. And that was Missouri State. Even Senator Molly, who won the regular season last year, did not go to the postseason in baseball. And I'm, I can't remember exactly who they were playing, but they were getting beat, and the game wasn't relatively close, and it was an elimination game. So their season was about to be over. And I was listening to Jeb, and I could tell, I could sense the disappointment. And I texted Jeb, and I said, Hey, you got a lot of Evansville fans that are tuning into you right now to get picked up. You know, I mean, they know the disappointment. They know the season's about to come to an end. You know, spend this time talking about great accomplishments. You know, how great of a year it was. I know it's a sour note right now, but people will listen to you in those blowouts, in those tough moments, because they don't want to hear the national guys. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear you. And, and I feel like that was my point to him, and that's kind of my answer to you, is you may have games that aren't very good. And really the tricks of the trade is, again, be honest. If, if that was an expected result, then you could say this was an expected result. You know, uh, this is where Indiana State goes from here. Uh, if it wasn't, then again, explain why uh, that was not an ex expected result. But know that in those moments, I'm not going to say you're at an all-time high. Trust me. I mean, the numbers bear it out. For us, you know, we had – I looked at numbers the other day for our CBI game against Eastern Kentucky – uh, in the post, which grant CBI, which many would think the CBI is, of course, nowhere near the NCAA tournament. We probably averaged, Stuart, maybe between 100 to 200 people that log on to the website and actually listen through our media player on GoSickamores.com. That day, there was 1,095. I mean, it was through the roof for a CBI game. Uh, so my point is, yes, the bigger the game, the bigger the moment, the better the game, you're going to have more listeners. But my point is, is even in those games that aren't that aren't maybe great, you're probably going to get some really diehard people that are still listening to you and are almost looking for you as their guiding voice in that moment. So I would just say, don't think that moment doesn't matter. You know, when you're signing off from a 56 nothing blowout, whatever it is, you may think that that is not going to be one you put on your reel as a broadcaster. You're probably <laughs> I'm not going to use much from this game. But you're still going to have some people, whether they're family, whether they're players' families, whether they are just diehard fans. You're going to have people that are tuning into you in that moment to really try to get picked up. And they go, you're, you're my voice here. I'm kind of relying on you to get me through this moment. So however you feel is best, you should know it, whether it's team expectations. you know, Be the judge on that, but know that it's not really a, a trick. It's just – knowing the moment, knowing who you are, and knowing you're going to get people that really rely on you in that moment. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, there 
you know, it's tough for the fans listening, especially, you know, with college, like you said, there's, there's a lot of parents listening. Same with, you know, me doing high school, there's a lot of parents listening. And, and those are the ones who give you the most feedback. Those are the ones where, where you hear, you hear from the most. So I always, I always try to do what you said. I always try to be spin it in the most positive way. If I can, um, I always, even during games where like, you know, things aren't great. You know, we, if we had a, if we had a player of the game, I would give our sparklight player of the game to whoever. And I would, I would talk them up and I, I give them, you know, I, I'd be honest, but I would also, you know, say, Hey, you know, despite things, maybe not going the way this, this kid had 20 something points, 10 rebounds. He played a heck of a game. It just didn't fall those types of ways to kind of, you know, still have a positive spin on, on maybe a negative outcome. Well, and I don't even know if it's totally even that way too. Like I think it all comes back to Stewart is, is your preparation. And what I mean by that is, is um, not just your preparation in terms of what, you know, but how often you're around your team. Uh, you know, for me now, my, I guess day job at ISU is I do a lot of social media work. So I I'm around our team a ton, but when you're around and they just not know what you do, but they know who you are, whether it's in an interview setting after a tough loss, whatever the case may be, they know it's going to come from a good spot. Like they, because they know who you are. Um, I'd say, like those are the moments for you where if you're there and you're consistent and you're a presence, and especially when you're a voice of a team and when you're around there and those guys know that you're their guy, you're around, you're supportive in so many different ways. When it comes time to tough and ask question, to ask a tough question, they know where it's coming from. Like they're, they, they know who now they may still not like the question, <laughs> but that allow, but they're, they're not going to, snap at you they aren't because they know who you are now if they don't know who you are and you're just some reporter somewhere else and you ask the tough question that's where you see a lot of the tension and a lot of butting heads whether it's in press conferences whatever it may be because there's no there's no relationship there so when you're the play-by-play guy when you're the voice of a team school area whatever get to know your teams get to know your coaches because there are ways to ask questions that don't come across extremely negative. And there are ways to talk about a negative, but not in a negative way, if that makes any sense. Um, I think there are some people that are like, oh, if this is a bad game. I got to be Mr. Negative. No, th- that's not the case at all. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean that you're not being truthful. Uh, you can talk about a bad result and still take a much different approach to it um, and not, uh, you know, and, and even in I, I understand now with, you know, with, with name, image and likeness and other things where players are starting to get paid more than what they have. They're still in, they're still maturing. And I still think in a way they are kids in a way to, to use that. So, like, I don't think I, I will never even if, for example, Kim Henry for us this year or Julian Larry or whomever it is for Indiana State, if they had a bad day. There's no reason for me on the radio to be like, man, they were horrible. Like, and yeah. just continue the badger. Like, that does nobody any good. Like, I, I just don't think that is right to do. Or even in a game, if you think a coach made a wrong decision. Like, when you're there, Stuart, and you're with them, and you're in the trenches, like, 
you hear the scan reports, you know the work that goes into the game. And there's some times where a coach says, hey, do this in a game, and the team does the opposite. But it's the coach that looks bad. It's not necessarily you to highlight and make the players look bad, but the point is you just get it because you're there. You understand it. Uh, fans aren't there every day. And that kind of goes back to our point earlier in our in our talk is you want to be there for the fans, but that's where I'm always like, if they're like, man, what? I thought that that was a bad call. Why don't you? I'm there. Like, yeah. I know what our coaches are trying to do. I know what our players are trying to do. And that's why it comes back on your relationship with your coaches and your players. And there may be some that are kind of old school and, well, you got to be kind of the you, – you can't be totally on their side. Like, whatever. Like, there, there's maybe some truth to that. But my point is you have to make sure that yourself is available. And I think all of our coaches that I work with would describe me as being someone that is loyal to them but also very fair. And they know that they can trust me. They know they can count on me, uh, but they know if there's going to be a moment in the game that you have to address that may, may not be great for everybody, they know that I'm going to approach it in a professional way, and they trust me. I mean, I, I think that's the biggest thing. If, if your coaches don't trust you or, or or players don't trust you, like when those moments come, when you have to talk about difficult things, I don't want to be you in that moment. Uh, if you don't have the trust of your coaches and players, because it's going to be very, very confrontational and it's going to make your, your job even harder. Yeah, for sure. I, I will say this. I know, you know, when I was younger, my first year at USI after I transferred from, from Vincent University, I, we had, we had a coach there. Uh, you probably know him now because he does the uh, Southern Illinois, he, he, uh, coach Rodney Watson. He was, to me, he was he was intimidating the first time I, I, I ever interviewed him. I'm a young kid. And this is the first time I'm ever doing this. It was a bad loss. Things didn't go well. And, you know, a lot of it is, too, like you said, he didn't know me. I knew, you know, he didn't know maybe the approach I had had. There had been some former kids who had came through who didn't necessarily take the right approach when it came to asking questions, those types of things, to where now when I'm – when I'm working with the team that I work with now and I ask the, the, the coaches questions or, or I come from them, it's kind of like what you say, but you know, where they, they know I'm fair, they know where I'm coming from, but they also know at the same time that like, you know, I spend, I go to practices, I do these types of things and I spend time with them getting to know the players and the coaches. So I'm not coming from it as a, at a bad point, but just an honest point. And I think a big thing that's helped me is the football coach, for the high school I've called games for has been open and, and has told me multiple times, you know, don't hold back from asking a question because you think it may like offend me or whatever. He said, I'm, I'll answer whatever question you have in whatever way that you want to ask it to so be free to ask those questions. And that's helped me, you know, gain some confidence as a broadcaster as I've, as I've gotten older. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. And look, I mean, you have, you have to take advantage of the resources that you have available to you. And what I mean by that is if you're a student in college, like you were being intimidated by Rodney Watson, no way, Coach Watson. I mean, he's so joyful, easy to get to know. Uh, <laughs> love Coach Watson. That's right, because he's analyst Watson right now uh, and yeah. not so much Co Coach Watson. No, I love – I always say it. Mike Reese and Rodney Watson are yep. the best pair uh, within the Valley from a radio perspective. Um, I love both those guys. 
uh, and not just as, as broadcasters, but as people too. But back to your point, you know, when I was a student at Ball State, uh, not every – there aren't ways where at times where you can travel with teams or that, that's really where you get the bond with the team. So, like – so my point is, well, do everything you can to know that they're there because if you're not there when other people are or even if you're not taking advantage of the open practice times when they are, you know, that's like I said, if they're going to, if you're going to ask a tough question or be like, well, you're not there. I mean, you're not there when you see it, saw us work on this the other day. Um, it just opens the door for there to be a little bit of resistance. Just make sure whatever level you are, whether you're a student in college, whether you're fresh out of school or, you know, just starting at the high school level, whether you're going to the college level and jumping, you cannot do your job without knowing the people who you are broadcasting. Um, you just can't, you got to know them, uh, because if you don't know them and you don't know their stories, you're, you're, you're not going to like, you may be able to somewhat do your job, but you're not going to be able to do it to the fullest of your ability. Uh, and that stuff is earned by the way. Uh, don't ever go into a situation where you feel like you are owed that. Uh, and I think that can be also a big mistake, uh, that young broadcasters make is they think, oh, just because. You know, when I got to Indiana State, I was named the voice. That wasn't like, oh, automatically, you know, I could just talk to Coach Mallory whenever I wanted to or be around the locker room or whatever. Like, those things are all earned, uh, and you have to earn it the right way. Uh, and then once you earn it, you, you build that that trust factor. Um, so just – just understanding that you aren't owed anything, Stuart. I think that is the biggest thing is you you have to earn everything you get. And even when you feel like you earn, like I feel like I've earned almost the most respect I could at Indiana State, but you still take the mindset of you're earning respect each and every day. Uh, you don't take that for granted. So th those are areas that I feel like for young broadcasters is don't, don't feel like just get, even when you get that big break and you get that big job and you know, I'm sure Matt Taylor would tell you, even when he was named the voice of the Colts, like you still have to earn the respect of the coaches and the players you are around. Um, it's not given to you just by title. Um, once you get the job, then you got to prove that that you can do the job uh, and do it the right way. So I don't want to speak for those guys, but I feel like everyone would say that. it's They're not like, oh, yeah, you owe me this because I'm no, don't owe you anything. Uh, it's your work ethic and and how hard you work. And, and the time and effort you put in, that's what will truly show, um, you know, exactly what type of job you can do. I completely agree. All right, I'm going to end it with this. You Before you got the uh, Indiana State job, you worked at ESPN Radio there in Terre Haute, and mm -hmm. you did a lot of, you know, a lot of shows. Or You, you came up with a show called The Hope there, and you highlighted a lot of high school players and those types of things. In what ways do you think maybe that job helped you you know, at, at, in your broadcasting career as you got this play-by-play -play job for Indiana State? Uh, I mean, it was instrumental. Um, when I was working at UNCG in Greensboro, North Carolina, uh, I got a message from uh, the uh, ownership group there uh, who actually hired me to do freelance work while I was still in school at Ball State. It just happened that one of the players on Ball State's baseball team, his stepdad was the owner, GM of that station. So, again, you never know who is listening on whoever you broadcast. Like, sometimes you just need a lucky break, and that was a lucky break for me that 
a parent of a Ball State player or a step-parent of a Ball State player, uh, happened to be somebody that hires broadcasters. And I got to do freelance work, and uh, James Conner was his name, and James was a tremendous friend and, and a great boss. And he was like, hey, you know, we have an opening for our sports director job while I was at UNCG. Like, would you be interested to come back? And I remember talking to Matt McAllister, who was my boss at the time at UNCG, and he said, this is what you want to do. Like, you need to go for it. Like, this, this is more of what you want. And it gets you, you know, back a little bit closer to home. I love North Carolina. It was great, beautiful. Uh, but it got me a little bit closer to home. So when I went there, and I, I wasn't there for – I was there less than a year, but, like, there was so much you did learn of – to me, people want to hear local. I mean, that's the whole point of radio. Radio is local. Um, local coverage matters. And that's why I spent the majority of my time. You mentioned in the hope uh, was the, was the name of the week, the daily show that I did uh, when I started there, it was primarily about what was happening in Terre Haute, whether it was ISU, Rose Holman, Terre Haute North, South, West Vigo, Northview, uh, whoever was really in the area, everything was open for grabs. Uh, and if we did, if we did branch out and we talked even Indianapolis Colts or something major, like you know, my, my time frame is down, but I believe the year I did in the whole was the year the Cubs finally went to the World Series. You know, those are all things where, all right, if we're going to talk Cubs in the World Series, we had Dan Schulman on, who was the lead play-by-play voice for ESPN Radio. Like, you bring in a voice to talk about it. It's not just you – kind of going on a rampage, you know, or, or just going on a, a lecture per se. Like I always said, if you're going to talk, my talk radio show was not to try to be Skip Bayless or even Colin Cowherd or Steve, like to have a hot take. Like my, my view is not to be, I didn't want my radio show to be, I opened up every show with a monologue and it was Luke's hot take of the day. I wanted to make sure that the 60 minutes I was on the air or the 55 minutes I was on the air, uh, do commercials was to spend my time interviewing people and just having conversations. Uh, that's what my show was. It was a, it was a, it was a conversation hour. And by questions you asked, you were somewhat like you were getting your opinion across by the question you were asking, but it doesn't come across as you were making a statement. You know, you're, you're having a conversation with somebody. Uh, I'm a big conversation conversation type person especially when it comes to sports talk I, i'm not i mean i'll listen to a lot of different sports talk but i don't really like anyone screaming and yelling and saying this is the hot take and you should take it uh, i'm much more intrigued by even though dan patrick will have a take rich eyes and they all will have a take but their interview style is what i really enjoy it's just like just having a conversation um that that's what i like about that side of it so you know, it got me invested in the community when I had that job. Um, and I think Indiana State knew when, when they had an opening and there was an ownership change within our group there at the fan. It was just kind of a, it was odd timing, but, but really perfect timing for a great marriage. And, you know, it's been six years. It's hard, hard to believe it's been six years since that time. Uh, but, man, it has flown by in a blink of an eye. Uh, Terre Haute has been extremely great to me. I mean, seven now, seven years of my life I've spent here in Terre Haute. Uh, that's more than I spent at my alma mater. Uh, more time than I spent months in Indiana at Ball State. I mean, I, I, the only place I've spent more time in is my hometown of Columbus, Indiana. I mean, Terre Haute has really become 
you know, a second home to me. Uh, that job at the fan was so much fun, just getting to know the different high schools in the area and all those young kids, and uh, young athletes, uh, great coaches, really good coaches within this area. But um, I had a great time. It was so much fun. Uh, there, there was so many great moments within that job. But, yeah, I mean, Stuart, it definitely helped and prepared me uh, to be the voice at a Division One institution. Um you got to understand that the, the things I do at Indiana State were still the same things I did at high school. And, you know, sooner or later, you just need a break. It is about networking. It is about getting to know people. Uh, and if I didn't have a relationship with Indiana State in terms of getting coaches on every week, even though I was in town, uh, there would have been no relationship there. Ace Hunt would have never known who I was. Uh, but Ace knew who I was, knew my skill set, uh, knew the different areas I could do. And when it Turned out they needed a need. That was an easy phone call for Ace to make. And I'm very grateful uh, that Ace made that phone call, you know, now, whatever, seven years ago. Yeah. I mean, connections are everything. That's how, you know, pretty much in almost every business, that's how you, I would say you, you, you make it up the ladder or connect, especially in the broadcasting world though. But uh, Luke, a big thank you for doing this. I'm a big fan of yours. We've talked before, but I so I wanted to. I was excited to have you on the podcast and uh, you know kind of have this conversation, just chat a little bit and uh, talk about broadcasting. Something we both we both enjoy, we both love. Uh, good luck for the rest of the baseball season. It's a heck of a baseball season so far. <laughs> yeah. You guys uh, are you guys still ranked? 15th, I believe. Well, it depends, pretty high. it depends what polls you look at. They're all over the place. That's the thing that's aggravating about baseball is you have about six polls. <laughs> Indiana State's ranked in five of the six, but the one poll they're not ranked in is the poll that ESPN goes by. So if you see Indiana State on ESPN, the Valley on ESPN or whatever, that's why you don't see a ranking next to them. Yet they're not ranked in the D1 baseball poll, but they're ranked ninth in another. And it's like, how is that even – feasible or possible at the division one level but yes coach hannis and their crew they just won the outright championship uh last night uh, they're in springfield they'll host the conference tournament next week so if you're out and around Terre Haute or in the Terre Haute area and you want to see good college baseball um come out the bob Ward field next week it, the last week here in may it should be should be a lot of fun but so I, I appreciate it my friend anytime you need anything you know you can always just talk it was great Great to talk with you. I don't know how much smarter you are after this, but uh, <laughs> may, maybe you're a little bit more confused after hearing someone like me talk, but I, appre I appreciate the opportunity. No, you were great, man. You were great. <laughs> hey, for those of you listening, uh, if you guys like this, please do me a favor. Help the show grow. Send it to your boss's email, your employees, whatever you got to do, your work email, home email. I always say, I can only grow it so much. Please help. You know, text it to them, spam it. If somebody likes sports podcasts or sports talk radio, help this show grow the best you can. Have a good day, good night, good afternoon, whatever it is. You have a good one. I'll see you next week.